Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. We didn't really ro- worry about the other teams as much as we did last year. So basically, we were just going as fast as we could at our own speed, which actually worked well. And um, I suppose that's what you learn from doing more and more races like that. Okay. You people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Welcome to the Dark Zone and Adventuration Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. Welcome to episode number 59 of the Dark Zone. Today we are joined by Team Fear Youth of New Zealand, Molly Spark and Finn Mitchell, joined with their two teammates, Dean Stewart and Josiah Murphy, and had a great result at Guide Zone. I'll let them tell you all about it during the race itself. We are grateful that Molly and Finn joined us for this episode. Alongside Molly and Finn is their coach, Andy Magnus, very active in the New Zealand racing scene, especially when it comes to youth racers. So thanks everybody for being here. Thanks for joining us for the Dark Zone. We appreciate your time and your attention. If you like the Dark Zone and you want to spread the word about it, please head to your streaming platform of choice and click and like and review and add and spread the word. Big things on the way here for the Dark Zone, firming up some sponsors. Um, We'll be sharing those in the next few weeks, and we are delighted that you are here. Sit back and relax and enjoy Team Fear Youth. So, Finn, where are you on your way to? Uh, I'm on my way to Colic Bay. So pretty much we got that finished. Going going diving. Okay, so the finish. And what are you going to do there? Uh, Diving. Uh, Dive for Power, so Eveloni. Okay, so you're you're going diving, right? So we're here in... The Northeast of America, and it's miserable, and it's crummy, and it's. I mean, you're going diving, very nice New Zealand. But and how's the weather in New yeah. Zealand, everybody? You guys doing okay there, all of you? Uh, it's like that. It's like that. It's like what that. Right. And so and so far, our, our our listeners at home, Finn is currently has flipped his camera around, and he's showing us the bucolic New Zealand land landscape, the beach there. As he's on his way off to go abalone diving. We have Molly Spark. Molly is home in her house. I'm sure she's working on her university studies. She's not going to be out there roaming around. <laughs> and we have Andy Magnus, who is their coach. And we are joined today on the Dark Zone by repeat guests. Molly and Finn joined us last year for Dark Zone at number 30. Dark Zone number 30 for Team Fear Youth. They completed Guide Zone <laughs> last year. What place did you come in last year, Molly? Do you remember? Uh, we got unranked, but um, we well, That's right. You were unranked because you switched You switched. On the way through, one of your one of your one of your lads had a really bad. Was it his his feet, his shins, hip, his hip, his hip, right? So you run right last year, right? And so then you race guide zone again this year. And how did you guys do this year? Uh yeah, we real we we came seventh, so um, we're pretty stoked with that. Um, yeah, so seventh place for a fair use. Excellent, very good. Now for the listeners, just so we're sitting here, Finn's currently in the in a, in a car. Bouncing through the landscape. One of his lads is over his right shoulder. What's your friend's name who's with you, Finn? Cody. <laughs> right. And Finn's audio is yeah. going to be a little touch and go. So this may be a heavy Molly 
episode. Okay, Smile, are you ready to carry us through all of this? <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> Very nice. And then Andy Magnus is here. Andy, describe your role with Team Fear Youth. My role with Fear Youth, I, I, I initially had nothing to do with them. I just put on events down here under the moniker of Fear Race, Fear Society, which is the Fjordland Endurance and Adventure Racing Society, which is grassroots. We put on these um, events that are meant to be a lot lower cost and more accessible than like big adventure races like God's Own. And um, I initially met um, um, the three that aren't on the podcast, um, which are Zach, um, Josh, who are twins, and Josiah. And they came and started doing some of our Rogaine, our six-hour Rogaine events in the Fjordland Bush and doing really well. We had another guy that's on the team, Dean Stewart, that came along and met them. And so that kind of became the core of this group that started doing our 48-hour adventure races and doing really well. And so they kind of got together and said, hey, what's the hardest thing we can do? And so they wanted to do God's Own. I started take, talking them through about that possibility. And Molly came on board because, you know, there's a lot of hard people in Fjordland, but there weren't any hard women that we could find that were young. So we had to, you know, we had to look, we had to scour the country. And so Molly, Molly was, um, she basically, the boys had gone up and done a secondary schools adventure racing championship when they were in year 12 and they got second place and Molly was on the only team that beat them. So, so naturally we were like, okay, so, so, well, we know this girl has got to be really good because she beat these guys and they're really good. So, um, so yeah, we got in touch with Molly. Do you remember that Molly? I haven't heard this story. I didn't even yeah, that's, know that's how you found story. me. So, so, so Molly, thinking- Molly, you were being shadow recruited before you even realized <laughs> it. They were recruiting you. No idea what's going on. When we needed somebody, we were like, we need somebody that we think can do this and is going to be as, as fast as these guys. And, and yeah, Molly was the only one that we knew for sure you know? And so she jumped at the chance. And then, um, Finn actually got involved because Finn was the son of, of, a, of another God's owner, um, Glenn, who has, who's a friend of mine and who's done a lot of our, our, um, um, events as an adult, you know, like he's, um, he's my age and he brought Finn along when we did, um, I first met Finn. We, we hosted a, a, a one day run across the dusky track which is normally a 10 day tramp. It's like the hardest, you know, established tramp in New Zealand. It's, um, it's brutal. And we thought, Oh, let's do it. See if we can do it in a day um, or, you know, 36 hours. And so Finn was 13, were you 13 Finn? Uh, is this the dusky? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was 13. So Finn was 13 and his dad brought him along and they, they did it in about 36 hours. And that's only because, Glenn thought that Finn wasn't strong enough to do it, but it was really that Glenn didn't want to do it in 24 hours. Finn was fine, right? He was just like, come on, Dad, we don't need to stop. Um, and and I, I remember having a conversation with Glenn when they needed um, – um, last year, Dean, who was part of the team, couldn't do it, and so they needed to replace Dean for God's own. And, and Finn wasn't part of the team yet, but we were like, who can we get that's young? And – I talked to Glenn and I said, look, he's ready. And Glenn was like, I don't know. It's God's own. It's so hard. And I had no doubt. And he got in there and he just smashed it. It was like, he was, he was so strong the whole way. So. Well, well, last year when you, when, when, when fear youth had their experience last year and for the listeners go back and check out episode 30, I I mentioned that before fear youth was doing fine in the race. And one of their teammates had a tough hip and there were some people that were in and out, but I'm, I'm correct that last year that Molly and Finn, 
on the team last year, the two of you did the entire distance. Am I correct? The team was unranked because you exchanged members, but you guys were, yeah. were there from beginning to end on the entire experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Me, yeah. Molly, and Josiah went through okay. the whole race. Now, now, Finn, I've noticed that the car that you were in, by the way, everybody, Finn is, is off diving, as I mentioned. Last year, Finn did this while laying on the beach. So clearly, life is rough in New Zealand for Finn. I've noticed the car is stopped. Have you arrived at your diving location? We have arrived at the diving location. Yeah. Okay. The okay. Other so, just getting the wetsuits on. Okay. I don't want to get in the way of your fun there. So we're going to keep you for five more minutes. Okay. And then we'll let you oh, go no, dive. No, no, no. Are you I'm, sure? I'm in no rush. I'm in You're no in no rush? Yet. Okay, the, yeah. the abalone will wait. So very nice. Yeah, yeah, the abalone will wait. So, so <laughs> folks who are home and, and who are listening to this God Zone, and and everybody on the call, I want to please to to point out any errors or corrections that are needed. But I think I have a pretty good understanding of this. God Zone is the premier adventure race in the world. It's an eight day expedition level adventure race. It consisted of twelve separate stages, with a priority on mountain biking, pack rafting, trekking, um, and Team Fear Youth came in seventh overall in that race. So last year they were unranked. They had some medical problems. This year they came in seventh overall. Um, and it's great to have them to come back and talk talk about their experience a year later. Because what I'm really curious about, and and Molly, I'll throw this question to you first, and then Finn, you can add on to it. The experience of racing God's Own last year, right? and oh, and by the way, for the people at home, I, I got to point this out. The four members on the team, Molly Spark is 19 years old. Finn, are you 17 now, Finn? Yeah, I'm 17 now. He's 17 years old now. Dean Stewart, 19 years old on the team. And Josiah Murphy was 19 years old on the team. Are all those ages correct? Yeah. Josiah's 20. He's 20 now. Josiah's 20 now. Okay, so very nice. So at least one of them is is is, is 20 years old. So we're in the 20s there. Um, a very, very young team to go out and do Dark Zone. Um, they did uh, do Dark Zone, do God Zone. Um, <laughs> they did great last year. They did even better this year. So, Finn, I'll start with you, and I'll pop over to Molly. Finn, what was the big difference this year in your experience? What was the? How did you grow from this from last year to this year? So, um, this year we were a lot more structured around, like we had a much better plan in place around our sleep strategy and our um, caffeine strategy, and we're sort of this year we're racing a lot more to the mantra, I guess, of um race against the course so we were racing to we're we're trying to do the course as fast as we could rather than racing the people around us and just flying by the seat of our pants so um yeah we were, we were a lot more had a, had a plan in place knew how we want to race our race knew where we needed to push and where we need to sleep and um so yeah we're just we're just a lot more structured like we weren't last year we were sort of yeah, just flying by the seat of our pants and we just slept when we were tired and and yeah, so we, we ended up blind ourselves up. But um yeah, this year we're we're a lot more structured and a, a lot more yeah, racing racing our own race. Molly, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, basically Finn summed it all up. Um we didn't really worry about the other teams as much as we did last year. So basically we were just going as fast as we could at our own speed which actually worked well. And um, I suppose it's what you learn from doing more and more races like that. And I, I would assume too that last year, being that you was your first time doing a race that big, there was an intimidation factor of the race, right? Because you've heard about God's Zone, your family's been involved in God's Zone. So the first time doing it, you might've been psychologically a little bit cowed by the course. You did great last year, you did really, really well. 
What was your confidence factor like, Finn, going into year two? Um, it was I was pretty confident, especially because it was um so the this year's God's Own was hosted in Fieldland and with it was in all the areas that are pretty much our training ground. So we were pretty confident like we'd be we'd been over most of the terrain and we knew that we're capable of, of doing the distances and um yeah, so a, a lot more confident just because it was a lot more a lot more familiar and um but also because I was a lot more organized and I know how to how to pack my food properly this year and it was just yeah a lot more of a smoother smoother lead up to the race rather than having to ask around and and ask people how to do stuff and how to pack stuff like we we're, we've got it we've got it sorted now so we're um yeah it was just a lot more smooth so you had a lot of things going in your favor, right? You had you had done the race a year earlier, right? So you had broken through the 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 first time revived. You broke through that. It was basically in your backyard, right? And so when you were handed the maps, how much of the how much of the course was familiar to you? Um, pretty much all of it. Like there was only one section um, from uh, from Lake Monoai to Hiroko and and the seventy k Petcraft Trek League that um that I hadn't sort of pretty much done and and the rest I'd, I'd I'd walked over most of it. So um and also it helped that I'd me and my dad had schemed at the maps for about a week leading up to it and, and we'd pretty much picked the course off the logistics planner. So um yeah it was it was pretty familiar. So so Molly, I'm assuming going into the race your confidence must just must have been really high. Right. You know the course, you 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 know your mates, you're feeling good. So, so going in, how nervous were you on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being very nervous and one being not nervous at all? How do you think the team was going into the race? Um, Yeah, we were, we weren't, we didn't look nervous or feel nervous. I mean, the couple of days before um, we were so, our team was so confident that we knew the maps before we even got the maps that we'd packed everything for that course. So it was quite um, awesome that we were, our head was, clear of the route and everything like that so yeah I I was only a little bit nervous about how my feet were going to go but um yeah no I don't think we were nervous at all which is uh always a good thing but a little bit of nerves obviously but nothing too major so the, the race was was 12 stages right and we're not going to go through each of the 12 stages but I do want to talk about the highlights of the course what were the what stages? And I have a list here. So I know after a race, you sometimes can't remember what happened. So I have the list handy here if you need me to, to remind you. I can't pronounce any of the names. I, I apologize to all my New Zealand friends, but I can certainly help prompt you along. Of the 12 stages, mountain bike, pack rafting, trekking, what jumped out of you as the stage where things were just really flowing? Like you felt really good. The team was bumping along and everything was sort of clicking. How deep into the race did you feel that? Um, you know, Finn. Oh, probably, probably about the there was the 120k bike ride that um from Hiroko to the to the base of the Takatimus, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's, that's stage seven, yeah. by the way, right? So stage seven, so you're over yeah. you're over halfway yeah. through the race stage wise. Yeah, yeah, and we're feeling pretty good, but we we just come off uh, quite a big like pro- probably the the biggest leg of the race or. What one of the biggest leagues of the race, the seventy um, k Petcraft mm-hmm. Trek League, mm-hmm. and um, we we just made up about two or three places that night, so we we're all feeling pretty good, and everything was just clicking. We actually 
posted the fastest time on that 120k bike ride. So we're we just got into our got into our groove and and we're yeah we're all feeling pretty good at that stage and and we we cranked out that leg. Do you but remember? Yeah, what, do you remember what day that was? All feeling great. How many days Which into the day? race was that? How many days into the race was that? Uh, it must have been Monday, so about three, four. Right, it's all a, it's all a blur, uh, right? Four. Day four. What day was it? It was um, day four. Yeah, it was two nights. It was after three nights. So it was you were yeah. in day four. So Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, so it was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah, that was right. just everything and all systems were, were were going, right? You had that huge the pack raft, by the way, was 70 kilometers, right? So a 70 kilometer pack raft to 120 kilometer mountain bike. Molly, did you feel the same way at that stage? You feel like things were clicking for you? Yeah, the boys knew that area um pretty well. Um I didn't know that we got uh first on that um time for that ride. So that's pretty yeah, cool. I felt like just, that ride it, was it's- Hey, um, you, you got first, but Avaya's time includes their four hours sleep. So let you know, yeah. just put it into context. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it is nice, Andy. Thanks for the clarification. It's great that at least Avaya and your names are being mentioned in the same breath, right? So that's a very nice. That's that's quite an honor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. No. Definitely. Um, we were pretty buzzing once we'd passed a couple. of teams through the Hiroko. Um, I think we'd passed three or four teams through the night, which was pretty cool because um, we thought we were getting bluffed out all the time, but obviously everyone else is getting bluffed out as well. So, yeah, no, we're feeling pretty good. And, and Brian, the, the thing about that stage, and I'm just going to interject because I was down there waiting for them and, and watching Dots, and that was that stage they mentioned, that pack raft stage. It was, it was an extremely difficult stage. This is the stage that um, – that Estonia talks about, um, you know, realizing what this, how this race was different than a lot of the races that that they're used to and that they were really excelling and in terms of how difficult the terrain was. And, um, and, and I remember when, when we saw these guys coming in, they had this assumption that they'd lost a whole bunch of places and it wasn't to them. It was when we saw thought sports, when we saw all of the top teams came in, they assumed that everybody else had had a better line because their line was terrible. The fact is there was no good line. Like coming down off of those mountains, it was bluffs everywhere. And you either got lucky, which was a one in a hundred, you know, thing, or you spent five, six hours moving a kilometer to try to get down to the bluffs. So when, when, when all the teams, when they found out that they, they, they hadn't lost that many places, it was usually good spirits. So, so talk a bit about that, right? Because that's a that's a, a nice thing, technically speaking, for our listeners to hear about. When you say get, come down off the bluffs, you mean getting cliffed out? Like eventually you were coming off the track and you couldn't you couldn't descend any further down that. You had to go back up to the sunboard. There was no track, so this is completely trackless wilderness. You're coming down off a ridge line where it was straightforward. You're moving down through the bush to get to the flat, you know, the um, the the bush that's flat. And, and there is no clear way down and bluffed out. Yeah, it means exactly that. You're, you're coming down and now you get to the top of bluffs, right. right? That you cannot carry on. And it's steep country. So a lot of times, if you get lucky, you can find a little cleft that you go into the bluffs. But it's, you guys, you know, it was, you can you can speak to it because you were there, but I've been in that country and it's, it's not easy. It's mm, exactly yeah. what it was. It was just... Like we we're pretty used to that um, country, so I was just thinking about the teams that have never 
been on sketchy country like that and uh, how they were feeling. So, um, no, we're pretty lucky that we um, were kind of used to, I suppose, that fjordland country. And, and so, obviously, there was a natural advantage you had because you've traveled on that before. And the teams that really struggled were teams that just had a hard time making that track and getting to the bottom of that. Um, and so, clearly, you, you, had, you had a bit of a home advantage, which was, was great and well-earned and, and well-deserved. As you as you made the transition over to the mountain bike, and as the race continued, you mentioned before that was day four of the race. Like that was there were three nights. Thin. When you opened up about last year, you said that your sleep strategy was different this year. What did you guys do differently? Well, it was sort of more. <laughs> there was a strategy. So last year, we would sort of just make the call. We need to sleep now, and we need about three hours or whatever. But um, but this year our strategy was. Uh, so sort of one sleep cycle. So set set an alarm for two and a half hours, and then and then so you set aside three hours for your sleep. So that gave you a good two and a half hours sleep, and then about half hours or about fifteen minutes either side to to set up your sleeping arrangement and and pack up and get going again. What did your sleep set system look like? Did you did you have like like Molly? Did you have a bivy bag? Did you sleep in a sleeping bag? Like what did you use to keep some contact between you and the ground? Yeah, um, the first uh, two or three sleeps were just basically um, on the ground with our sleeping bags. We just found some moss or something like that. Um, the sleeping bags we have aren't that warm, so it was kind of not the best sleep, but um, still good enough. Uh, and then just before that last day, um, the last sleep, we um, were dark zoned, <laughs> dark zoned on the – <laughs> dark zoned on the kayak just before the Ariti River. So we got um beautiful mattresses and a camper van. So that was lovely. <laughs> so so you know, Molly, congratulations. Every time a guest uses the word dark zone in context, I mail them a dark zone sticker. So congratulations. That'll be going in the mail to you. I have to get your address after the show. So well done. Thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> that, so that was a camper van with so and that must have been luxurious after being on the ground yeah. for that long. Yeah, the, um, no, it was great. How was, how was the weather during the race? Eight days. How many different weather patterns did you see over eight days? Um, one. Sunny and tropical. It was, we <laughs> couldn't have really asked for better weather for the race. It was, um, I believe it cold the first night, but there'd been snow on the tops the night before the race had started. So it was just 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 cold, but but no, it was clear, clear and warm the whole time. I actually got sunburnt quite badly even so i got sunburned but but mm. how, how did you how did you change your now i i i could appreciate your uh your first year strategy of not really thinking a whole lot about it and just going out there and seeing what happens and obviously what happened was what what happened now to, to the question before you mentioned your sleep strategy was different how about your nutrition what did you pack in for food and, and remember last year if i remember correctly that trek was so long you were on the verge of running out of food so how did that work out for you this year yeah, um, we're we're a lot... Right, go on, Molly. There you go, yeah. We're a lot better organised this year because we had a, probably a more accurate time frame around how long each league would take, so we could plan it out a lot more. Yeah, a lot, a lot more accurately. Whereas last year we had sort of no idea. So what happened is we we ran out of food. But um, yeah, and and also this year the stages were sort of shorter so you could you could 
get a lot more real food into you. You could get a lot more proper good food at transitions and then you could take a wrap or something that, that would still be good for five hours. So you could you could actually run most of the race on proper food and we didn't have to eat too much of the, the dehydrated stuff and, and your muesli bars and your typical race food that just gets hard on your guts after a wee while. That makes so, um, such a difference, having access to real food. Crew. The, the, um, Finn's mom was support crew um, with his um, her sister, so his aunt, and um, yeah, and they had made up with some of the other moms as well. Um, you know, amazing, like uh, what the flash flash um, wrapped um, or vacuum sealed like lasagnas and and all sorts of like real food that we just put in boiling water and they just would go out of transition carrying the stuff and just suck it down, you know, and it was. Um, it was it was a good system because it allowed them to transition fast. We had to work on the transitions a lot this year because last year, being their first year, there was a lot of worry. So there was there was you know fifteen people in transitions, all lovely, wonderful people, well-meaning, you know, just concerned about the the well-being of their kids and their you know um, nephews and nieces. Um, but it was it was hard to have them transition. Um, fast and 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 the thing is that they. These, these, I mean, this team, they, they want to go fast. Right? right. And it was, right. it was really cool. We took, we took photos of a lot of the transition boards and, you know, when they left, there was usually, they were up, up, up in the top, um, you know, eight teams, most of the race. And you see all these top eight teams and, and, and these guys transition times, you know, it, they belong there. Right. It was like, you know, 19 minutes, 20 minutes, 23 minutes. It was all. And then later, if you go back and you look, then it starts to be 45 minutes, an hour. And, and so they're, they're transitioning at the speed that all these top teams are, which is cool to see that they've, that they're so young. And I mean, it took, I remember it took us years to do that, like a decade to, to figure that out. Right. So it's, and it's a supported race. So it's different. So it will be really interesting to see in Africa, um, you know, that will be their first real unsupported race. I guess the true West was unsupported, but, um, that's a 48 hour. So, so, yeah. so we'll get to Africa in a little bit. Cause I want to hear about how that's going to go down. Uh, I just want to point out that it is, is amazing how quickly time passes in a TA. Mm. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like, holy cow. So you look up and it's a half an hour, 45 minutes and time just gets pulled all the way through. So good on all of you folks for getting out of there. One piece getting out of there quickly. I do want to comment. I, I love the fact that I think this is a this is not exclusive to New Zealand, but it's definitely a New Zealand thing as well. The fact that the families all came out like the moms made the meals. They cooked it like in America. If, if a parent cuts up orange slices and brings it to like the soccer game, that's an hour long. They think they're a hero. And here your parents like basically stop their days and like cooking full meals you at all those transitions. How did it yeah. feel having your families just so behind you during the race? Was that was that like. Did that help make you f- want to go faster to, to to make them happy, or were they kind of were you concerned that they were too worried about you during the race? Like, I, I tell about the family dynamic during the race because you don't see that a whole lot. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool to see just how invested everyone around, like all, all your yeah your, your friends and your family had gotten into the race. Like, even I had quite a few mates that came out to each transition. They they just helped out, like the support crew. They filled our drink bottles and stuff. Just everyone everyone wanted to help us out and just just random people on the course like there's random people that that i sort of know like they'd set up food stands and they'd be out at their gate with muffins and stuff just everyone in the community wanted to wanted to help help us out so um yeah it's, it's pretty cool to see how much everyone gets behind you what do you think molly mm. 
Yes, um, we had the best support group ever. They were they were amazing. I mean, I was going to say with the question before, um, we hardly had any freeze dried meals. Like I bought all these freeze dried meals to eat, and we we were actually pretty good. All our timings was basically in transition at dinner or lunchtime, so we were pretty. Uh, that was pretty good for um, support crew and us, to be fair. Um, but no, so my family's not from Fiordland, so I didn't get my mum and dad coming until maybe, yeah, the last day. So, um, but it was pretty cool to see all Finn's friends. There was about, I swear there was about 50 of them just at the finish line, just cheering them on. And I mean, we had to stop at every single food, food stall to say thank you. I don't think Andy was very impressed with <laughs> <laughs> The boys, I think they ate about 10 muffins on the last stage of the bike ride. But, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Was there any – Was Venus was in your, in your community, Finn, and, and, and your other friends too. Was there any energy, like, in the media? Did their schools know about it? Did they talk about it? Or did, would you just, like, leave school, go race and go back and be like, hey, where were you? Would you would you have strep throat? Like, what was um, that like? Yeah, no, my, my school actually did. I don't know how – well, they, they must have been following it because, um, yeah, they, they – put in their newsletter and stuff and put a bit of a post up on Facebook. And then, I don't know, for somehow the radio got wind of it because me and, me and Molly were sitting at the house just listening to the radio just at the the day before God's Own, actually. And, and then the radio comes up and they're talking about God's Own and then, then they start talking about about me because I'm from Invercargill. <laughs> it's just the Invercargill radio station. So um, I, I don't know how how they've found out. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool to see how, how big of a spread the event has and like how how many people follow it because yeah even all my, all my teachers and stuff they were all tracking me right the way through it was yeah it's pretty cool how great for um, you too that you you were so successful in the in the all of that right all of that attention and your mates coming out and your friends there and your family and here you're clearly inside the top 10 right you were in seventh place andy how did this impact them during the race um well it's you mean the, the media and the um just the energy, just the general energy around them. Because some races you go, you leave, and you don't know a single person, and you're racing in a foreign country, and nobody knows you. This was an interesting dynamic for them. So I, I think that there's pluses and minuses, Brian. Like I think on the one hand, it is it is awesome because you having that fan base and having that support buoys your spirits, right? And so when you come in, and, and Molly was suffering a lot on the last um, on the last big trek leg. She'd hurt, she'd banged her knee on the first track leg. And by the time it got to the last one, she had major swelling. She couldn't bend it. And there was a lot of worry. Like um, I remember talking to Adam Fairmaid, um, you know, one of the race directors as she left. And he was just like shaking his head. Like she can't even bend her leg. She's screwed. Yeah. You saw that. Uh, and, and I came across I, one of the race videos. I was, I was home, Molly. I was rooting for you at home. I, and, and credit to you. And like you hung in there, Molly, like you were, they were interviewing you and you were being brave and being strong, but you could tell that it was really bothering yeah. you. But we'll get back to you in a second. Andy, keep going. Um, and, and so I think that there, there's, um, there's a lot of, of benefit to having that support. I think that this year was a lot better because it was, um, we were able to know how to direct that. So, um, as, as a support crew, we were able to tell the, um, the people that wanted it because it's interesting everybody wants to come in and interact but the team is they need to basically stay focused if every time you come into the transition you explode and you're unfocused it's much harder right and so it was finding the balance between allowing that support to be um, constructive and beneficial 
And I think we did a pretty good job. Like, you know, there'd be groups just with banners and they, they'd cheer for them on the way in. It was interesting because the other teams, I, I think, you know, sometimes felt a little jealous and, and, you know, cause, cause there's these big mobs of people. And we did get, we did get a couple times, you know, at one point we got told that, Hey, you're only supposed to have two, two supporters. Cause every team was, and it's not like, I don't think that was an advantage to the team. It was almost harder. You know, you got like 10 people that are on, Oh, I want to do right. this. I want to do that because people want to help. Right. And so towards the end, you know, we did have to, we have to tell people, no, you have to stay away, you know, just say hello. Um, because they, there were a couple of TAs at the end that they were really strict. And they're like, Nope. If the third person is carrying their bike bottle, that's not, that's right. not a lot. That's mm. a, by the end we just, and you know, it's, it's, but it's one of those things where they're clearly locals and they've got so much sport and they're young, right? It's, it's it, they're a fun team to root for. Right. Um, um, which is, yeah, which is pretty neat. Um, and I mean, it's the thing I always think about is a young team in adventure racing is a combined age of under 110. Like that's right. considered a young team. Right. And these guys have a, had a combined age of 75. Right. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's not even really in the same category. So I'm doing um, some, some quick math here just so we can point it out to you. Three, six, seven, eight, 12, 12. Uh, the combined age of my team, six, 12, yep, of in um, the combined age of my team in Scotland two years ago was 228. Yeah. <laughs> we, got a, we got a photo with this team right at the start and they were just in awe of us. Was it three times our age that their, yeah. their, their team was? Was it three times, Vin? Yeah, right. Right. yeah, 228 is the same thing. That's that's Brian's team with 228. So 225 would be three times your age, yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah you know, so, I, I'll tell yeah. you, Molly, if I saw you on the course and I stopped you, I'd stop. I'd take a picture with you. It'd be great. I would then take your packet and throw it in the bushes. I just have to tell you, I would feel <laughs> obligated to do that because you're so young. I, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, but you know what I mean? So, yeah. So clearly the the combined age is 75. There's an advantage there. And, and to your point, Andy, you know, people root. They root for each other. For adventure racing, everybody roots for each other very, very strongly, right? You don't see a whole lot of cutthroat. You do it at the, at the pointy end of the race. It belongs there. It should be there, right? Teams yeah. are fighting for podium spots. But once you come a bit back off that very, very, very front of the race, there's this camaraderie that we're all in this together. Local kids, a younger team. There's no doubt that the 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 the, the race was rooting for you. That was very, very obvious. Um, and it sounds like that energy meant a lot to you. Um, whether it be 30, 30 people in transition, it still was a really powerful moment for the for the two of you. Now, this has been a great love fest of an experience, but it had to get hard sometime. Molly, I'm mm. going to guess it was your leg. We'll come back to you in a second. Finn, what was your low point? Where did the race have? Was, was it really difficult for you? Um, my low point was probably, probably, um, I'd, I'd have to say the well, the, the last beach run was was probably the the hardest physically. Like I, I was, I was the sorest. I was. Well, I, I probably wasn't sore than Molly, but I was I was pretty slow. I had one ankle that sort of had blown right up. I just got a bit of tendonitis or something in my, in my shin. But um, probably, yeah, it, it'd have to be. Oh, actually, the, the first league across Tararaa, we got a little bit lost in the in the times and just, just well, it was still early on the race, but just the the feeling of shit, we've ballsed it up already. We're, um, 
the, this is all going downhill like that stuff that sort of stuff just starts creeping into your mind and, and you gotta you gotta shut it out but yeah that was that's well, probably a because to a your point, point the race just started you're full of energy enthusiasm and here you are in the beginning and the maps are all upside down and you're frustrated and people are looking for you so yeah. so it's interesting how your psychological point came really early in the race and your physical point because i think you're mentioning that the 15k trek at the beach which is at the very very end of the yeah. race was your yeah, was your yeah. challenging point you had to deal with those two things. Um, what was your yeah. strategy for getting on on track mentally after that first bobble? Um, you just gotta, yeah, you just gotta keep in your head like it's it's such a long race. Like you can get so caught up in what's happening that hour and and that that day even. But um, but yeah, you've just got to keep reminding yourself that it's such a long race, and actually, it's it's. <laughs> That doesn't even matter. They're, they're t- tiny, tiny gains and tiny losses that, in the scheme of things. And but yeah, you've just got to keep reminding yourself that because you can get so caught up in that and get so far into that pit. If you if you lose half an hour, you can just pick yourself over it and and it just skews you mentally. So um yeah, you just I just had to keep reminding myself it's it's a long race and and just slow down, sort yourself out, and and keep going. It's a bit of a in bicycle racing is an expression that says you can't win the race in the beginning, but you can lose it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Molly, what was your low point? Yeah, my low point would definitely be uh, my knee playing up. That was um, quite. Uh, yeah, it was pretty sore. Um, I couldn't really bend my leg from uh, the start of the tacky. So the, that fifty-five k trick. I don't know what stage it was, but stage, stage eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, line um, the race ahead of you. Yeah, no, so um yeah, yeah, I couldn't really bend my knee. Um I was we didn't have that strong a uh painkillers for that leg. So um I got on quite strong painkillers after that. Um and yeah, no, so that would definitely be my low point. But um overall the race, yeah, we didn't have very many when everyone was I, I like I didn't really notice anyone being super super low which was good um and I suppose that's just what um our strategy was I mean we tried to not be low overnight I mean I usually get hallucinations and I didn't get any hallucinations this time and I mean I got uh, tired a few times but um nothing major which was good what was your longest uh, for the entire team what was the longest time you were awake at any one given shot how many hours um, it would have been from day one. So the race started at 3 p.m. So I got up at like seven. So that's what, 10 hours. And then we didn't go to sleep until not that night, but the next night at 2 a.m. So however many hours, so, that was so 30 something hours. Yeah, seven to seven is, is 24, right? The additional seven to is 36. So now you're, you're up towards about over 40 hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it must have yeah. been. Yeah, forty three hours. Wow, that's a long time to to, to be awake. Yeah. Did I, did I do the math right? Yeah, yeah, I think you did. Yeah. There you go. Um, so the the story I'll tell you about the tackies that they won't tell you um, that they told me, but I'll share it with you. Is there is um, and I think this is this is an interesting um, insight into into who Molly is as a person. Is that um, there's a conversation, that, and I might not get it right. You guys can correct me that that we were told about on Titterow where. Um, where Josiah, Dean, and Finn were talking about all what, what they were going to do now that they were giving up adventure racing, because you know they, they were just like, all right, we're done with this, and and I think one of them was going to do golf, and 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 one of them was okay. going to do 
croquet or something. They were just like, they were done with it. Right. You know, just, you, you go through that. And, and they were, you know, asking Molly, like, what are you going to do? And she's like, no, I'm loving this, you know, and like, they're suffering, like they've been out you know? and I, and I'm familiar with that. We've, I've done that almost in every race I've ever done, you know, had the point, this is it, I'm done. You know, like, right. I, what am I doing this for? And what are all the things I'm going to do with my time now that I'm not going to be adventure racing? And Molly was having none of it. She was like, no, this is exactly what I want to be doing. <laughs> and the boys <laughs> Well, that's always, like, no, that's always a barometer that the race is going well when you quit during the race, but you don't quit. And you, if that's yeah, a sign that, that you're working really hard, right? That, yeah. that, it actually is. For me, that's a sign, but not for Molly. She, she, there's a different sign for her. Like she's just, she's suffering and she's like, this is exactly where I want to be. So yeah. she's, uh, yeah, she's unique in that sense. Sally, uh, Molly, was the knee, was the knee pain due to an injury or is just overuse? Did you bang it on something? Like what, what, where do they, where do they come from? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it came from, I fell pretty hard on it on Mount Titaroa. Um, I don't think the boys actually knew that I fell. That's um, stage three, by the way. Yeah, so the first day of the race. Um, and then I suppose just that fall and then just keep walking on it and keep um, biking on it and stuff like that. It just got a bit annoying and then it started getting quite sore and then it just basically locked up on me. Um, yeah, so that... Yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully, yeah. I don't think it was an overuse injury. I've never kind of had that before. So, yeah. yeah. Also, you're 19, so probably hurt for like 30 minutes after the race, and then you're fine. Right? No, she was, <laughs> <No>. was... <laughs> did, did it stick around for a few days? It's still here. Yeah. It's still, still there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I haven't, I've been able to bike and I've been able to do the elliptical, but I haven't been able to run on it yet, which is annoying, but yeah, it'll get better. I think there was, there was some ligament, there was some ligament bruising and, and a deep bone bruise. So it was, it was there's definitely a, a traumatic um, component to it. And then obviously, you know, the, adventure racing is always an overuse injury, Brian. So there's like, <laughs> you know, the, the entire process is, <laughs> is, one you know, big long it's, overuse it's managing, injury. Managing managing an overuse injury as long as you can and as effectively as you can. So um so yeah, the combination of it, it seems like because it was only on the one leg, we we guess that that that, that you know that the damage then exacerbated by not being able to reduce the swelling. Um yeah. Gotcha. So so Andy, as someone who was pretty much on the outside looking in and you were, you know, it's for, for, for supporters during a race, it's an endurance event for them too. Mm-hmm. When did, when did your radar go up at any point during the race that you felt that the team might've been not falling apart, not the right word to use, but they were starting yeah. to get a little raw, starting to get a little, they were emptying out a little bit. When did you feel that? So I, um, um, I mean, it's always exciting. I, I've never been able to be good at pacing myself um, during the beginning of a race. And so it was really exciting to see that they, they just, they came out of the gates and, and they decided that, you know, cause they, they, they led for the first stage, which was a very short stage, you know, they were right up front. Um, you know, they, they were to the transition three or four minutes in front of it, then all the next teams. And they managed to, to stay ahead on the paddle, um, of all the teams, except for Avaya, um, that passed them in that classic video, which, um, We've been told that Avaya was putting on a bit of a show, so it wasn't their normal paddling speed, but um, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and and so that that was pretty cool. Like they were just pushing hard, and so then I can I can understand from Finn's perspective when when you're right at the very very pointy end, and then you make that mistake, and you know you slip back into the 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 mid because I think you guys probably slip back to twelfth or thirteenth place at that point on the mistake on Tidoro. That's frustrating, but so it's it's really cool to hear these guys talk about how 
they took that in stride because you have to, right? Otherwise, you're you're done before you're really beginning. So that was really cool. There's a, a level of maturity there that's um, that's exciting. Um, but for me, to answer your question, I I had about 24 hours where I was miserable because I, and I, I stopped checking the tracking. And this is after they started the Titaroa trip, or not Titaroa, the, the Takatimu trip. When I saw Molly walk walk away, um, and I was pretty confident, but then. I heard that Adam Fairmaid was really worried and, you know, and other people were coming and saying, oh, she just looks horrible. Um, she's never going to make it. And 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 so I I just I mean, and not in a not in a negative way, but just like, wow, like, yeah. I can't believe she's carrying on. Um, she can't bend her leg kind of thing. And she's got this 55 kilometer trek up and over four mountains. Um, and and I I just remember not being able to sleep that night. And then when I finally did get to sleep, just trying to sleep as long as I could, because I just, I was, I was imagining a repeat of last year and how gutting that was going to be for, for the team. Um, and, and it felt very much like that. Like, cause last year I remember watching Zach, you know, who was suffering horribly, like, and it was a morning instead of an evening when they left the TA and just limping away with, with his poles and just, like here's the walking wounded and and this task in front of him is really insurmountable and they weren't able to pull through last year right it just got too bad and he couldn't he right. couldn't carry on and they got the heli and that's what i just imagined like shit this is going to happen again and i remember one of my that morning about i'd slept in because i was really um tired i hadn't got a lot of sleep until that point and you know, I got a text from a buddy of mine who is um, um, a fan of these guys and was watching the race and said, what's going on with Fear Youth? And it was a screenshot of the tracking map. And there was a little black star in the corner because that's what you do when you when you um, favor a team so that you can find them easier. Right. But it's all, but there's a little black line on teams when they're um, when they are unranked because right. they have lost the member. And so when I just open this up and I just glance at the screenshot and I see this, this black, this number nine with the black thing. And I'm like, I just, I just about threw my phone across the room. Cause I thought this is, you know, this is, it's, it's happened. And then, so then I, then I calmed down and realized, okay, but, you know, but they'd stop moving. So I just, that was, I was, you know, as a supporter who just really wants them to succeed and knows how hard they've worked and what they're capable of. And, and yeah, it was, that was, you know, I, I, it's funny sitting here saying, oh, it was really hard on me. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and to your point, I mean, hard's a relative term, right? And the, and the, 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 the difficulty felt by a, uh, an in-race transition support crew and the, of the racer, because yeah. you do really, you wrap yourselves up in their success. And I, and I will, I will argue too, with all due respect to, to our, to our guests and their ages. I think that when they're on the younger side, there's a greater level of investment. Right. Because yeah. you because 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 we root for kids. We want them to do well. We yeah. want them to succeed. And it's also a good lesson for the for the listeners out there that wait until there's double verification on a tracker error. Right. Wait yeah. until wait until that someone someone is telling you in live because you watch races sometime and you think that a team's completely walked off into the wilderness. And meanwhile, yeah. the tracker order corrects and everything is fine. But that was yeah. that was really something else. Um and I, and I think I, I would I think it's yeah, it's it's just also like not being able to when when you're they probably, you know, like I've watched video that Molly had a GoPro and, and, you know, I've, I've since seen video of that trek and they were, you know, if I'd have had, if I'd have been privy to that, to even a snippet of that video during that period of anxiety, I wouldn't have had any worries because they were, you know, they were, they were moving slower, 
they were supporting Molly. She was pushing and they were just, they were just like they said earlier, they were just doing their race. They were racing their race. They knew they couldn't move as fast. They weren't worried about trying to keep up with, you know, that fourth and fifth place team that they had been with, you know, because they mm-hmm. knew they were going to be, and, and they were smiling and laughing and making jokes. And yeah, Molly was suffering, but, but seeing that I knew they weren't about to drop out, but right. at the time you don't, you don't know, you can't do anything. You're just sitting there and, and, you know, you, you, you imagine the worst, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. I hate it. Yeah. I'm much, and, I'm much rather have unsupported races where you just get to sit back and just, yeah. So, so <laughs> at hard. that point, when you get towards the end of the race, were you, I don't know how many transition areas were left and you interact with them, but were you trying to get them in that transition really quick so that they had no chance to pause and think about where they were? Like just, this is great uh, guys. Keep rolling. The thing is that, that I, I was trying to support what they wanted and, they wanted to keep racing and that that was i mean they never it was really cool they never settled in they were always in touch there was always a possibility it was never like oh four hours to the next place four hours in front of the place behind them right so they, they were they were always in this position where they it was motivating for them to to keep that edge you know st- still still be safe and, and and be conservative and not blow up you know in, in the but but as it got close to the end, like it was cool to see that they still had that fire and they were still talking when they came into TA and they were tired, like, okay, we need to get out. And if we do this in this time, we'll, you know, um, you know, we'll be in and we'll be this far behind this team. Like they were, they didn't end up catching any teams, but they, they never, it wasn't because they gave up, right? They kept trying to move. Like, like Finn said, they were racing the course. They were saying, how fast can we, can we do this? Right. And, and so and you know, and you never had a moment in transition. Did you ever pick up any tension with the team during transition, or were they just they were good with each um, other? No, th- there was there was some tension, but it's it's pretty normal. Um, you know, I, I think that everybody deals with it differently, and that's one of the things that they will get better at as they go. Um, and 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 you know, supporting each other better as they go. I mean, they, they haven't. There's not a lot of experiences like adventure racing where you are everybody's at their worst at some point, you know, right. it pushes right. everybody. To, and and the way people deal with that is some people retreat inwardly. Some people get mad and, 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 and project and, and, and that's no different with, with, you know, kids than it is with adults. It, it, I mean, it just, it's a hard, it's a crucible for figuring out who you are and then how you deal with other people when you're at your worst. Yep. yep. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge thing for the listener out there to talk about that during race, race experiences and regardless of the distance, right? It could be long. It could be short. There's always going to be that tension inside the team. And how do you manage that? Right. Cause I don't know of any teams that just sort of skate through the whole thing. And some teams eat themselves alive. They cannibalize each other during the race. And some yeah. teams have a chance to go pass through it. So while we've been working hard here, um, we have to give Finn credit. Finn was kind enough to sit in the front seat of the car for a while. And now he disappeared off camera and he's now back on wearing his wetsuit. Um, so I think that Finn is sending the message that this has been great. Dark Zone, it's nice talking to, to you. But the, the beach is calling. So I want to I want to begin to wrap things up a little bit. And you've been excellent, excellent guests. I heard the word Africa before. What are the plans there? The the plan is we're wanting to send a, a youth team to, to Africa for the world champs. And, um, yeah, so just pretty much go there and get our first international racing experience and, and have a dig at, hopefully, I know making some waves at the world champs. Molly, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, t- 
teenagers take on Africa, which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, we won't be seeing uh, – well, we actually – we haven't even told this story, but the bluffs that we were talking about um, – a deer jumped off that bluff and we and and basically killed itself on the bluff. We won't be seeing deer, but we will be seeing like elephants and giraffes and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Did you ever think that the, your sport would take you to Africa? Did you ever think that would happen? Yeah. Oh, I, I knew that it was an international sport and um, there's races all over the world. So um, I knew one day we were going to get um, – to overseas, but I didn't know it was going to be this fast. But yeah, it's pretty exciting that you're going to Africa. <laughs> well, I, I think when you when you come in seventh at, at Guide Zone, I think that you you feel pretty good about your chances in Africa. Andy, going into that race, what what are your thoughts about training and preparation for that, that a race of that distance in that time? So there's no so it's interesting because there's no pack rafting. A lot of adventure races have adopted pack rafting, but in Africa there's no pack rafting. These kids are awesome at pack rafting, so that's going to be a little bit. Um, of of a challenge they're good at the transitions and so they understand pack rafting they've they've been doing i mean they've been introduced to adventure and adventure racing through pack rafting largely and molly kind of coming on and following the because i've trained a lot of the boys in pack rafting and molly through the early races she's done with them the the um wilderness traverse of fjordlands all involved pack rafting and so she's up school very quickly as well and so they all do very well with that and so not having that in the race is going to be um not great for them but um they're all great bikers they they do really well on bike stages and it's a bike heavy race so that's good they've got some good bike um mechanics so um Josiah is not going to be joining them in Africa cuz he's got exams so Josh Pearson one of the twins is going to be joining them in Africa and he is he's a phenomenal bike mechanic and he's a great biker so it, that's going to be a strength of their team they're going to be able to do all their own stuff do transitions quickly and we're going to get them, the goal is to get them spending the next six months doing some specific paddle training um, because if they have a discipline where they're weakest at, um, it's probably paddling. And also in AR, everybody's weaker at paddling. So basically, it's probably the place where they can make the biggest gains if they, and we've got some coaches down in Southland and some places for them to do some training up in up where Molly and Josh are. And just to kind of get, you know, it, it, paddling is one of those things where if, if you do training on that without gaining fitness, you can get a 10% speed increase just by knowing how to paddle better. Right, right. It's, it's um, one of these. So uh, it's... Begin, you know, begin that. And it's going to serve them well throughout their adventure racing career um, anyway. So, um, so yeah, it looks so like it looks like Finn's on the way to the water. Finn, closing thoughts before we say goodbye. What's that, sorry? We, you're on the way to the water. Any closing thoughts before we say goodbye? No, just, well, th- thank you very much for having us on. It's cool to share our, share our story with, these, with, with you guys. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we might up in America. It's not bad. Molly, take us home. Final thoughts. Yeah, no, we're so – we're – Pretty excited uh, coming off the back of God's Own and um, always exciting to do bigger and better things, which is awesome. And so thank you very much for um, supporting us throughout. Once again, thank you to Team Fear Youth for coming on the show. I'm sure many of you caught Molly's good-natured chuckle when she learned how old my team in Scotland was. 
God bless these kids. They're doing a great job representing their country and their families, and they are an inspiration to all of us out there who are swinging away. We wish them all the best at the World Championships in Africa, and we'll bring them back to you once again. They're a lot of fun and always good to talk to. This has been another episode of The Dark Zone. We appreciate your time and your attention. If you like what you hear, please head over to the streaming platform of choice and like and add and do all sorts of fun things with that. If you want to reach out to me directly, feel free to do so. Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at ardarkzone.com. That's right, Brian at ardarkzone.com. Be great to hear from you. Thank you for all the listeners. We are growing in membership and in numbers, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. All the best. All right, then. Who likes to rock the party? Now, it gives me great pleasure and pride to introduce two of the coolest New Zealanders I have ever met, our very own Flight of the Concord. Thank you. Yeah, it was the hair gel, guys. Sorry. We're not cool? No.